Dr. Geneva Speaks. Thank you for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks, where you'll hear amazing leaders from across the nation and around the world. Your host, Dr. Geneva Williams, a cutting-edge, transformational leadership coach, hopes and believes this show will enlighten, entertain, and inspire you to make a difference in the world. So listen up as Dr. Geneva Speaks. Well, hello, and how are you today? We have a terrific, terrific, awesome show uh, lined up for you, and uh, just an enjoyable, what I know is going to be a great conversation about leadership and exploring the thinking of what's happening today in corporate America and what should presidents of nonprofits and chief of everything entrepreneurs do as as they lead their market, their organization, and as they try to make an impact on the community. Again, we hope this show will ignite your soul and have you making an impact and looking at life and leadership through an entirely different prism. You know, I want to share some statistics with you. Um, 70% of U.S. uh, workers, workers in the United States, are not engaged at work, and about that same amount are dissatisfied with their managers and senior leadership. And also, um, another statistic that I found very interesting is that 75% of employees don't quit their jobs, they quit their bosses. That's an interesting kind of uh, statistic there, and we want to talk about that and, and other issues that you may be facing and solutions. And to do that, we have our guest tonight, Dr. Sabrina Black who can share with us and offer some solutions as to how you can be the leader in your own life. Now, Sabrina is an international speaker and columnist with over 30 combined years in working with nonprofits in in ministry and as a university professor in psychology and world cultures. She's a prolific writer and a published author of over 10 books and workbooks, including uh, Live Right Now. Um, She left her 20-plus years in private practice as a family therapist and life coach, providing counseling services to join the uh, life corporate team, providing counsel and leadership development to executives and their staff. And she does this through the Launching a Leadership Revolution Corporate Education Program. And I'm so excited and interested in finding out more about that. And we know that Sabrina loves connecting with people and helping them see their potential specifically uh, with organizations and workplace productivity and helping to increase employee morale. And so I'm so delighted that Sabrina is with us today. And how are you, Dr. Black? Welcome. I'm doing well, Dr. Geneva. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, we are so delighted. Well, we're delighted. It's our honor and back at you. And I I always like to to start, um, you know, one of the, um, uh, the, I think, the, the greatest features of this 
conversation that we have every week is to really hear about the personal stories and journey of our guests. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be my first question to you, uh, Dr. Sabrina. Tell us about your life journey and what led you to this point in time. Great question. Life journey. You know, I know you don't want me to start all the way back when I was born, but it really does. Well, not what we do. We want to go back there. That's okay. Well, you know, so well, let me say, twins run in our family, and it's every other generation. And so mine is the generation to have twins. But being uh, my mother as a twin, her mother, her sister wanted to name me, and she wanted to name me Constance originally. But my father loved the name Sabrina, and I'm actually named after Sabina Airlines. Uh, which was a German airline, and my father said that when I was born, I looked like one who would soar the heights. And so I came into the world with great expectations, being established uh-huh. for me and then wanting to live up to them. And, and so I believe that's where it starts when we talk about leadership development and coaching and helping people to live their kingdom dreams and to prosper and to walk in purpose. It's giving them a name that means something. You know, and then if you don't know what your name means, I would say do some research or give yourself a meaning. And then live up to that, that potential because I believe that there's great potential in all of us. And we want to be able to live and walk out the potential. And, and so initially um, growing up, I always wanted to be a teacher. My initial goal okay. was to teach elementary education. And mm-hmm. I discovered along the way that children really didn't want to learn. And I really wanted to teach people who were hungry and wanted to see life differently, wanted to see through a different lens or have a different perspective. So as I abandoned the pursuit of education for the the goal of teaching, I went into psychology because I wanted to understand what makes people think. Why do you not want more out of life? And and what is it happening in your life that would keep you held hostage? And so I wanted to explore that. As I went to college, my background is in organizational psychology. I really wanted to understand people in the workplace and understand why this grumbled employee stayed and made everybody else miserable. My thought is if you don't like your job, get a different one. And let the people mm-hmm. who really want to be here stay here and do it well. And so along that journey and doing organizational psychology, I found out that it was a great background for everything, but you couldn't get a job doing anything, so I had to go back to school. <laughs> uh, but but in between that, I, I did a period of time with Corporate America where I worked my way up through sales and um, supervision and management all the way to human resources and as a human resources training manager, at which point I found myself, again, teaching, which was one of my original first loves. And so I, mm-hmm. I realized that part of what I wanted to dedicate my life to was really teaching people how to be better in their lives and how to accomplish their goals and how to live their dreams and, and how to even have dreams and pursue dreams and visions. And so I get an opportunity to do that now through mental health as a background. I have a counseling practice called Abundant Life where I actually work with individuals dealing with life issues. But then I also get a chance to do coaching with executive and leadership development, which is my passion. So it's been a great journey. Mm-hmm. And all along the way, everything that has happened has been a part of the plan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so Sabrina uh, means at least part of the what coming from the German airlines to soar, to soar high. And mm-hmm. uh, what did you... What are some of the things that you've, uh, what's some of the greatest lessons you've learned as you're soaring, as you've uh, lived your leadership life? I would say some of the greatest lessons I've learned, especially when you talk about soaring, is to realize that nobody gets there alone. 
And however you got, wherever you are, there were people along the journey who have helped you. And so it's important to always acknowledge the people who have been a part of your journey. You know, it's so easy sometimes for people to arrive and feel like they've done it all themselves or to feel like mm-hmm. they had a hard time and they had to struggle and they made their own way or they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. You know, even in all of that, somebody probably tied your bootstraps to help you buy some boots, you know. And so mm-hmm. it's just important to remember that it's a community of people who have rallied around you at different points in your life that have gotten you to where you are. Even the people mm-hmm. who are the naysayers along the way, even the naysayers help to propel you because you want to prove to them that you can do more than they ever expected. And so I would say that's been one of the really uh, important lessons I've learned along the way. I would also say to keep in mind that people have different levels of capacity, and whereas you may be able to accomplish a whole lot in a little time, other people need more time. Other people don't work at the same pace you do or are able to accomplish as much as you might be able to accomplish. And so to be gentle with the people that you work with, and to realize that different levels of capacity function at, at different levels and that people get there in their own time and to give people the time they need to do what they need to do. And so I would say those are two very important lessons that people need to learn that is important to me as I've uh, been able to store in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned about, you know, there are, other, there are certainly people that have helped you soar that mm-hmm. have been mm-hmm. part, a part of your journey. Can you share with us one or two people who made an impact on your on your life and why? Oh, absolutely. I always appreciate the opportunity to give a shout-out to people who made a difference. I would start mm-hmm. with my parents. I, I had phenomenal parents. Okay. Um, I remember my mom growing up. We, we did lots of arts and crafts and movies and cultural things. We went to the museums and to concerts and to the symphony, and, and I don't know how many little girls get a chance to do those kinds of things. And so as a result of that, I also started an organization called Girls with Great Potential because I want to see every little girl mm-hmm. get a chance to have the advantages that I had as a little girl. I would also say my mm-hmm. father was very instrumental. Um, he was an educator um, in terms of wanting to see you accomplish. He always told me that anybody could be average, and you could be average without trying. And if you tried at all, you could be better than average. And so we always made sure we put in the effort. You know, he always talked about how you're only in competition with yourself. It's never against anybody else. And so you always want to give your best effort and then outdo yourself and not worry about what everybody else is doing. Other mentors, I would say people who have really just poured into my life and helped open doors along the way, uh, would be people like Matt Parker, who is a, a master mentor in terms of networking and building relationships. And one of the key lessons that he has taught me along the journey, and he's been a mentor for over 25 years, is to always remember that whenever there's an open door, to take somebody through the door with you. Yeah, and so that's just been phenomenal in my journey in leadership, to always make sure that when a door is open it's for me, I'm opening it for somebody else. Uh, other mentors along the way, I would say are Pastor Christopher Brooks, um, who is an incredible biblical scholar and apologist. And his emphasis has always been uh, application of the word and understanding the word, and that's just been so key for me in, in terms of making sure that I really am living right. You know, so when I think about the book that I've written, Live Right Now, it's, it's part of that in terms of wanting to make sure that people understand the word and that they're applying the word so that they can live the word. And so those would be some people I would say have definitely been wonderful mentors um, through my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there are, there are others along the way, but I guess I can't mention everybody. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Have, have there? Well, what are the common? Um, you know, you mentioned. You know, you talk about your parents. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, some religious leaders, mentors. Uh, what are the characteristics, perhaps, that they share that or um, that you found inspirational? Um, what was it? Where do they talk about some common themes about leadership or about life that particularly resonated mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with you? With I, I would you? say some of the common themes would, would definitely be application. You know, dreaming is wonderful, and, and I believe in dreaming and making plans. But at some point, you have to implement what you're thinking about. And so I would say mm-hmm, all of okay. them emphasize application. You know, do something. Okay. You know, I, I run into mm-hmm. so many people all over the world, literally, who are still planning. And, I, and I, for example, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll meet someone at a conference, and they'll tell me about a book they want to write. And I'll offer to help. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm going to write that book. And it'll be next year at the same conference. And they'll still be talking about writing that same book. And I maybe have written another book or two mm-hmm. since that time because they haven't uh-huh. done anything. And so all of these mentors, um, I would say, emphasize application. Do something. And in the process of doing it, then after you plan it, do it, then check it and adjust it if you need to. I would say another thing that all of them emphasize is relationships, just making sure that you work with integrity and character and that you do right by people, even if people don't do right by you. And I would say that's been just an important lesson, and sometimes that's a really hard lesson, Dr. Geneva, especially when when people don't do you right, <laughs> you know, or when people uh-huh, make uh-huh. promises that they don't keep or when people don't deliver or don't come through. You know, I'm just always mindful to do right anyway. You know, and to just do right by people, to treat them well. And the other thing I would say is to expect the best from people. Because what I've found over time is that people rise to your expectations. And if you don't expect much, they don't do much. But if the people know that you believe in them and that you're counting on them and that you're dependent on them, they want to deliver. And, and so I would say those have been uh, just key things that all of the mentors have emphasized. But I would say character and integrity are probably the most important, just, just the integrity of relationships and the integrity of application of doing what you say you're going to do. Mhm, mhm. And all right. Yeah, that's that's some good stuff. That's some good stuff, Doctor. <laughs> and so, 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 so yes, yes. So share with us how have you uh, taken these uh, lessons, these tips, these strategies? Let, let's look at the one about um, doing something, applying. Mm-hmm. How have you taken? Yes. How have you taken that and um, worked it in your own career, in your own yeah. life? What can you share? Well, what I am, can you share I am with a that? definite visionary. <laughs> I mean, okay. I, I keep a running list of things to do. I, I don't. I don't think Idle and I have ever met. You know, I, I just don't understand sitting around twiddling your thumbs and wasting time. Now, I do believe in mm-hmm. relaxation, uh, but but I just mm-hmm. don't understand. You know. Uh, spending three, four, five hours a day in front of the TV watching reruns. You know, you already know the ending, but you sit there again. And so I'm always in a productive mode, always looking to accomplish something personally or to help someone else accomplish something. Uh, One of the things I would say in terms of do something, I remember when I first started the missions agency, Global Projects. Um, It's it's an agency that takes individuals and organizations, churches, on uh, cultural heritage trips, on humanitarian trips, around the world, and at this point we've been to five or seven continents, 68 different countries. But when I first started that 15 years ago, I remember I was wanting to help people, and my heart would just burn as I would see the news, just wondering, my God, who's going to help those people? Who's going to go there and do something? And I remember saying, here am I, send me. I really want to go, and I'm willing to go. 
And I wanted to go beyond where the road ended. I didn't want to go to the places where everybody else was going because those were places were easy, and those places already had access. And so I wanted to go beyond those places. I wanted to go up into the bushes and into the woods. And so I would say when I was looking to do something, I just began to write down what would I want to do if I had the money? What would I want to do if I had the resources? What would I want to do if I had the manpower? And, and I began to just look at that and to pray about those things and to really expect that at some point those things would come to pass. And as I had opportunities, I would just do what I could. I always was able to keep the story forefront. So when people asked me about what was I doing, I was able to communicate that to them. And I think that's important for anybody in leadership or any entrepreneur to be able to tell your story. You because there are oftentimes people who will help, but you gotta be able to tell them what you need. You know, and so as I was telling people what I was doing and what I needed, different people came along to help somebody came along and helped me write the business plan, somebody helped me establish the five oh one C three. Somebody helped me to get donations from corporations and to get funding to be able to take trips. I mean, so it began to grow and to blossom, but it was simply because I began to do something. You know, if I had just sat around thinking it would be nice at some point, it would, I'd still be sitting there thinking about it would be nice 15 years later, but I did something. It was the same thing when I started the Abundant Life Counseling Practice, and I've, I've had to practice for over 20 years now. And I remember when I, when I graduated from school and I was doing my internships and I was working part-time at two different places, and, and somebody said, well, you know, do you ever want to have your own business? And I thought, well, maybe. You know, and so I said, you know, I really do want to have my own at some point and be able to employ other people and bring other people on board and help them. And I began to write it down you know, which is a biblical concept, you know, write it down so the Herald can run with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wrote the vision down, and I put it on paper, and I started to look at it, and I started to think about what do I need to do. And, and that's one of the questions I always ask myself, what next? So now that I've written it down, mm-hmm. what next? Okay, let me start looking okay. for places. Then what next? Who do I partner with? What next? And so you always want to be saying what next. But application is key. you got to do something with all the things that you're thinking about. Mhm, mhm. And so, how has so? What are the challenges you run into? You know, so you you got that energy. You want to do it. You step there. You're you're into saying what next. And then all you do is run into challenges. So how do you overcome the challenges and the things mm-hmm. that get in the way in the way of the next step? I would say one of the biggest challenges is the naysayers. I think it's important that when you have dreams and plans and goals that you have a circle of safe people, uh, people that believe in you and believe in what you're called to do and who believe in your destiny and your purpose. Because there can be times where you're called to do something and you tell the wrong people. And they start bringing you down and tearing you down and saying that that's never going to happen, you won't be able to do that. And you start hearing and listening to the wrong voices. And so I would say that's a challenge that you have to overcome. And so you really do have to have thick skin to really do anything uh, because people won't always support you, they won't always encourage you, and they won't always have your back as much as you would like to believe that they will. You know, I think about people who I've helped to write and publish books, and, you know, one of the questions I often ask is, why is there a need for this particular book, and who is your market? And, of course, everybody says, well, everybody's my market. Well, no, you've you got to have a target market. Who's your market? Not everybody. Mm-hmm. I know you want everybody to buy it, but specifically who will mm-hmm. buy it. And then they print thousands mm-hmm. of books and then discover that their mama wants a free copy, their daddy wants a free copy, their cousins want a free copy, <laughs> their best friends want a free copy. And now they got boxes mm-hmm. of books in the basement because they really didn't think it through. And, and so I would say in terms of an obstacle, an obstacle would be um, just, again, not being prepared for what it is that you're trying to do. And so that's part of why as I'm looking at these next steps, 
I'm thinking through what could potentially go wrong here so I can uh, address that so that I can be prepared. Yeah, and so when I'm starting out doing something, I'm not starting out expecting that it's going to fall apart. I'm expecting to be successful. And so I start out with the right attitude. And so I would say, well, that's one of the obstacles that people have to overcome sometimes is their own attitude. You know, you've got to believe in you. If nobody else believes in you, you do. Yeah, and, and so for myself in terms of moving forward, I, I would say that one of the great challenges for me because I am involved in a lot of things is trying to have balance. It's really okay. important just trying to make sure that you have a, a balance of a family as well as faith, that you have a balance of fun as well as future focus and trying to get things accomplished. And, and so I have to kind of pull back on occasion and look at things, make sure I'm saying no to some things and not trying to do everything. And so those are kind of probably my personal things that I need to overcome, just making sure that I stay balanced, making sure that I say no, making sure that I'm checking in with family, making sure that you stay grounded. The other thing I would say for those who are listening, if you're thinking about different obstacles, another obstacle that I've also noticed that people run into is unfortunately getting a big head, <laughs> you know. Okay. Because God may, may use you in a great and wonderful way. You have to always be mindful that he could choose to use anybody. And then it's a, it's a blessing and a privilege to be used by God to do anything that you do. And so just to stay humble. And I, I would say that's really important for anybody who's doing ministry or working in the marketplace or doing leadership development or whatever you might find yourself doing, to realize that there's somebody greater than you who has gifted you, who has empowered you to allow you to be able to do the things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So so now, Dr. Sabrina, you how do you apply um, – these these strategies, these experiences, these principles you've talked about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to to the to the workplace. Let's let's, let's talk about the corporate world because you you mm-hmm. not only have been in the corporate world as an employee and worked there, but but you've also but you also now you uh, coach and you're an executive coach and so so you know that corporate world, how do you yes. uh, apply, apply some of these things you've talked about in terms of, let's look at relationships um, mm-hmm. and expecting the best of people. One of the statistics that uh, you, you have on your website talks about how so many employees don't quit their jobs, they quit their bosses, and how they're really oh. not engaged at, in work, mm-hmm. at work. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. So how do you yeah, so how do you apply some of these things you've talked about? Yeah, through a series of different uh, workshops, training, seminars, webinars, classes that I offer, I'm able to come in and, and work with individuals in the workplace or one-on-one to help them look at their relationships. You know, one of the things you can always do is if you look at your circle of influence or the people that, that surround you, and if you have relationship problems in all those relationships, it may not be those people, it might be you. You know, so sometimes okay. people have to, again, take a look at things and realize that I'm impacting things more than I realize. In doing that, there's an assessment that we can do that look at different personality styles. You know, and I think people have done a variety of them from disc leadership to colors and geometric shapes mm-hmm. and animal styles yes. and different things. But okay. if you look at all those assessments, <laughs> they all basically show the same thing, that there are four personality types. And so it's important that you know what is your type. And once you know your type, then you start to understand the types around you and realize that there is a way for all of you to get along. I, I think when I first started uh, working with personality information about 30 years ago, it was like a light bulb went on, and I, and I always make sure I keep that light bright 
you know, because that has helped me not fail in every relationship. When I see things going awry, I can always step back and say, okay, what personality type of this I'm dealing with? And it's not that mm-hmm. people are usually attacking you. They're, in, they're being impacted by your style. And so when you can appreciate that and understand mm-hmm. that and know that they're coming at that thing from a different perspective, it really just helps you in the workplace. And so that's one of the places I start in working with organizations is helping them to assess who's on the team and identifying the team members, the roles that the teams have, seeing where work assignments may overlap or how they can overlap so that they can improve productivity and increase employee morale. Because when people are happy, they're more productive. I mean, when people are mm-hmm. laughing and singing and joking at work and having a good time, they look forward to coming in. You know, through the uh, leadership development program that I offer to individuals, there's a series of books and CDs that people go through as they're going through the six-month training program. And so if you can imagine an employee who's listening to good information on his way to work, so he shows up with the right attitude. So he comes in feeling good about the workplace. Uh, he comes in wanting to contribute, come in knowing that he has value and it's significance and it's important what he's doing. You know, if the person who is sweeping up the floor to the person who's cleaning the bathroom is important to the team. You know, because if you go in there on the day when the bathroom hasn't been cleaned, you're going to miss that person, you know. And so everybody uh-huh. is a value. And so I, I think mm-hmm. when you realize that it's our treating people the right way, it makes a difference because then people want to be helpful. People want to contribute. They want to do more. And that's how our workplace morale goes up. It also increases finances. And I know for a lot of corporations, they're looking at the bottom line. You know, how much is this going to cost me and what's going to be my return on investment? And you begin to see mm-hmm. an ROI right away with a program like this mm-hmm. because people's attitudes change, and when their attitudes change, their behavior changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, ROI, return, oh, return on, yeah, that return on investment is important, particularly in, in the corporate world. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's got to matter what you're doing. Now, you mentioned your uh, uh uh, the Leadership uh, Revolution Corporate Education yes. Program. Tell us about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, tell us about that. With the program, it's, it's, a, it's really like an 18-month program divided into three segments, so it's like in six months. So it's a course one, course two, and course three. Uh, each course is designed to go for six months where you get a book and four CDs each month, comes to you in a package where you can order it all together at one time. And then ideally mm-hmm. the employees who are all going through the program would meet once a month whether they're meeting for 30 minutes to an hour or two hours, where they would actually come together and discuss the information that they're all learning together. One of the things I found that the beauty of the program is just increased accountability amongst the employees. Everybody else is aware of the information you've been exposed to, and so they know what you know, and so they're holding each other accountable to then applying the information. As they're going through the information, they start out understanding things like the trilateral leadership lecture understanding why character is important and how understanding getting the job or the task done is important, and then relationships. And so we go through things like the personality assessment and things like that in the first month. Mm-hmm. Um, as you're listening to the CDs, you get four CDs a month, and ideally you'll listen to them on your way to work, home for work. I mean, so you make that drive time productive. So it's almost like your car becomes a mobile university. And so you're getting a chance to listen to something that's going to inspire you and encourage you and, and get you charged up for the work ahead. Um, so you look at things like that. You talk about attitude. You talk about how to have confidence when dealing with people and how to resolve conflict, how to effectively communicate so that people hear you, you know, to make sure that your voice is being heard. Sometimes it's simply a matter of helping people find their voice. You know, there are times when people are in corporations when they have so much to offer, but they don't believe in themselves mm-hmm. and they've not heard their voice enough at the table. But that's part of what mm-hmm. they learned in that first six months. 
I'm also talk about uh, speed of trust because when people trust you, they, they give you more leeway to get things done. A lot of times people micromanage because they don't trust the employees to follow through on the assignment. They don't trust the level of quality and excellence that will be produced, and so they have to keep following up to make sure it's being done to satisfaction. And so we talk about how to increase trust within the workplace. Also, I'm talking about how to have a slight edge in the workplace. And, and the slight edge is simply by doing that one little extra thing. You know, for example, if, if you got up five minutes earlier every day or went to bed five minutes earlier, or if you read ten pages of a book, you know, each day, you know, I tell people, you know, people often say, well, I don't know if I can read a book a month. That's a lot of reading. If you read ten mm-hmm. pages a day for 30 days, you could read a 300-page book. It just sounds mm-hmm. big when you think about it, but if you break it down into manageable pieces, that's what we help you do. Then you can start to apply the principles because they really are very simple. And so that will be like the first six months. And as the people are coming together, um, having these discussions, there are also uh, quiz questions that follow each of the different modules for each of the different months. And there's a certificate that people receive after six months. There are also video clips and vignettes that you get a chance to watch, which maybe like about a 10 to 15-minute little video that kind of reinforces some of the concepts from the book just in case people miss things. But one of the things I found, because I also – do an online leadership development empowerment coaching group for women that's going through the leadership revolution, that these women, when they come together, are just incredible in terms of the insights that they glean from the material. And it's just such a privilege to watch them help each other to learn and to grow and to become a community. And, And that's what happens in the workplace when people are launching this leadership revolution. Oh, phenomenal. It's, it's, a, it's a great program. Oh, my goodness, it's, it's, it just sounds so, um, well, not only, um, it, it just seems like so much great information, but also information that you can apply and, and have yes. some real value. It's just what it mm-hmm. seems like. I, I just want to let our listeners know, if you're just tuning in, you are listening to the conversation on Dr. Geneva Speaks, and our guest today is Dr. Sabrina Black author, speaker, columnist, leadership coach, and we've just been talking about her phenomenal uh, leadership revolution program. Her ed- ed- corp- it's a corporate education program, and just, we're just talking about uh, the, the uh, aspects of it. And let me ask you, Dr. Sabrina, now, is this program available for, okay, for corporations, but is it also available for small to mid-sized businesses? Absolutely, for small to mid-sized businesses, for entrepreneurs, as well as for individuals. Um, It's available for nonprofits, sources for organizations, sororities, fraternities. Um, this group of women that I'm meeting with online, we just launched another group the other night. I have six different groups that are running right now, and it's women from all over the country as well as from parts of Australia and parts of Canada. And, and so because people are calling in, it makes it accessible for any and everybody to do, and we only meet once a month. So in the meantime, uh-huh. everybody has their materials that they're shipped to their homes. They're reading through their books, underlining things, writing notes and comments in the margin, listening to their CDs, making applications of the materials. Then they call in once a month and we get a chance to share all together. I lead the discussion and help facilitate that, show the video clips online through uh, Zoom technology. And, and so it's, it's wonderful. And so you don't even have to be a part of an organization. So if you're listening and you're thinking, mm-hmm. man, I would love mm-hmm. to just increase my own personal leadership, I mean, this idea of it's a movement. It's one of the people who are strong. <laughs> you know, oh. anybody. 
anybody who wants to get involved, and I would say even people who are emerging leaders, if you want to get a promotion mm-hmm. on your job or if you just want to take your leadership to the next level, you don't have to wait for your corporation to say we're going to sign up and get training for you. You can get training for yourself. Uh, because it is a certificate program, it's a certificate that you can frame and have posted on your job, just even let people know that you're committed to the quality and excellence of leadership and that you're helping to develop your own personal skills. You know, this is phenomenal. And so so anyone, anyone who just wants to take part of this can once mm-hmm. a month uh, take part in the program. So how would someone connect with this? Dr. Sabrina, what would be the steps? Is there uh, a website? Give, give us the information. Yeah, if you want to connect with me, I try to have a, at least some of a presence on social media. So you can go to my website, drsabrinablack.com. You can uh, find me on LinkedIn at Dr. Sabrina Black. You can find me on Facebook at Sabrina D. Black. You can email me at drsabrinablack at yahoo.com. And, and I was laughing because somebody recently said, well, just Google her. <laughs> and you can Google me too. Uh-huh. So you just Google Dr. Sabrina Black. There's all kinds of ways to get in touch with me. Um, if you'd like to give me a call, you can reach me at 248-872-3788. And I'd be more than happy to talk with you about coaching and leadership development. Or if you're saying, you know, I, I know I want to be a leader, but I'm just struggling with some personal issues right now, and I don't know if I'm ready. I can also help provide some counsel for you so we can get you to the next level so that you can be ready because everybody is called to be a leader. Again, that's drsabrinablack.com or drsabrinablack at yahoo.com or simply call 248-872-3788. Absolutely. And, and I, love, I love what you said about, say it one more time, Dr. Sabrina, about what were you saying about everybody's a leader, everybody called? Oh, everybody's called to be a leader at some point in their lives. You know, and I think mm-hmm. it's important for us to realize because we, we lead our family and lead our children. We lead in our mm-hmm. communities. We lead on the workplace. We lead our friends. Everybody is called to be a leader at some point in their lives. And so you want to be ready when your name is called. Mm-hmm. And what do you think are, uh, is the biggest challenge facing leaders today? I, I would say one of the bigger challenges facing leaders today is, is just the, lead, the uh, issue of integrity. And, and I hate to say that, uh, but... I think that so many people are trying to make a name for themselves and trying to get out there that they compromise to, to make it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they don't mm-hmm. realize that those compromises will haunt them, you know, not only in terms of just, uh, just feeling it within yourself, but always looking over your shoulder wondering who's going to find out and who's going to know. You know, I always say if you live above board, you never have to worry about what's going on underneath. You know, but you mm-hmm. want to have a foundation that's sure. And so I would say integrity is a big issue amongst leadership right now. The other thing I would say that's a challenge for leaders right now is confidence, especially amongst women. And that's why these groups that I'm doing right now, I've, I've done a lot of uh, leadership development and empowerment coaching groups that have been exclusively for women because I realize that a lot of women need to find their voice. Uh, women have had to deal with so much abuse and, and so much backlash for different things that they've lost their femininity in the workplace. And so there's a, there's a place for nurturing and there's a place for caring. And that's part of what's missing in, in a lot of our environments. Everything is, is not strict and stern. Yes, we need protocol. Yes, we need structure. But there's also a place for a woman to demonstrate that she does care and to nurture and help develop and to mentor. I mean, that's what mentoring is all about. Mentoring is simply about pouring into somebody else 
and caring enough to make a sacrifice. And that's what women do so well. You know, and so I think that especially when we talk about the thing that's lacking in leadership is women's presence at the table. And so I would love to see more women be willing to accept the roles of leadership and, and not relinquish that to other people because they don't think they can do it, but to really be able to build their self-esteem and their confidence level so that they know that their voice should be heard and that they do have something to offer. Mm-hmm. So you believe there's a um, an, an aspect of uh, women leadership style, this nurturing mm-hmm. support of that not only missing in the workplace, but it's some, but also it's something that um, is unique to uh, a female leadership style, and and, and there's a I difference between, between okay, and there's a difference between that leadership style and the leadership style of men. Yes, it is, and I think because mm-hmm. uh, that has been ignored for so long and has been downplayed for so long. That, that women have been uh, just spending so much time trying to break the glass ceiling that they've forgotten about b- being feminine in the workplace. And so, you know, they're, they're trying to wear a suit. They're trying to wear ties. They're basically trying to be the man. You know, and we already mm-hmm. have men. We don't need women to try to be men. We need the women to be women and to stand up and let their voice be heard because they have a unique voice. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I got a chance to uh, attend a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and it was a, a conversation regarding um, urban renewal and, and things like that. And, and at this table, uh, I walked into the room, and I'm looking at the nameplates, and there's all these men. There were 50 people in the room, and I was the only female in the room. And, and I'm sitting there trying mm-hmm. to figure out where are the women and where are the women's voices. And, and I think because I was sitting there, all the men in the room began to say, well, who is she and why is she here, and, and where are the other women? But it didn't cross their mind to invite them to the table. But the person who invited me realized that I would have something to offer. And so I just thought, you know, how unfortunate is that, that all these men sitting around the table and nobody thought to invite another woman to the table. And so I think it's important that women let other people know that they want to be a part of the table because so often women Uh step back and so nobody thinks to invite you. And so people need to know that, yes, you matter, yes, you have value, yes, you have significance, yes, you have a voice, and you want your voice to be heard. And to be heard, you don't need to be standing on top of anybody and shouting and screaming. But there's a way to be heard by speaking truth and speaking in a way that demonstrates that you do care and that you are about quality and excellence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so do you, do you see um... – Let's follow that along a little bit more in terms of so mm-hmm. how can how can female leaders how can women leaders change that? You talked about first of all finding voice, finding your mm-hmm. voice. What about uh, also relationships? I know we talked about relationships. Uh, mm-hmm. How do relationships play into that um, change that needs to come about or forming relationships? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I was speaking about earlier in terms of finding a, a safe circle, finding a, a community of people, you know, I was saying that keep in mind your circle that you're in. You should not be the smartest person in your circle. You should not be the richest mm-hmm. person in your circle. You should not be the most advanced person in your circle. If some of you are in the wrong circle. So you need to look at who are the people that are surrounding you. Maybe ask yourself, who are my five closest people? Who do I spend my time with? Because that would be an indication as to where you are and where you're going. You know, do the five mm-hmm. people you spend time with read books? 
Do the five people that you spend time with travel? Are those people involved in other organizations? And, and so when I'm, when I'm sharing with women in terms of how to develop and to grow and to expand, you want to be a part of a network that's supportive and encouraging, a, a network that truly is calling forth greatness in other women. And that's one of the things that I try to provide to these different online groups and uh, seminars and webinars and things that I offer to women, is to be that safe place for them to be able to talk about their dreams and their goals and their aspirations and to realize it's okay. I think you need to be in an environment where there's collaboration um, and not competition. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there is so much work to be done in every venue and every avenue of life that I just can't imagine why anybody would think of others as competition. You ought to be glad for the help because there is absolutely no way that I'm going to impact everybody around the world. I'm going to make my dent in it. But there are places I will never go, people I will never touch, and if I can raise up another generation of women who can also raise up a generation of women who are willing to go out and to branch out, we really can touch and transform the world. And so I think you want to be a part of a community that thinks that way. You need to have people who think differently and, and not people who just feel like, well, nothing's ever going to change and ain't nothing we can do about it and, and this is just how life is. You know, people say, you know, well, it is what it is. And I would say, yes, it is. It is what it is until you make it something different. And if you don't like what it is, then make it something different. And so you just need to make sure that you're in the right circle of people. And I would say really do that assessment of those five people. And if you find that those five people are not doing anything and they're your friends, you don't just abandon them, but you also don't dwell there. You know, I I got a lot of friends who don't have plans and I'm not doing a whole lot of stuff. I I visit them. I I don't hang out. You know, I'm spending time Uh with the shakers and the movers of the world, with the people who really want to accomplish something, the people who want to go somewhere. And then I go back and I check on the other people and see what they're doing, how they're doing, and if they're ready. You know, I'm on a moving train, and and I I have stops at every station. And when I stop at your station, if you want to get on board, come on. It don't matter how far the train is gone. We're not going to tell you all the things that you missed along the way. When you jump on, it's your journey. That's where the journey begins. let's, Let's take off and let's make it happen. Mhm, mhm. Now, is that is that? Uh, tell us why you started uh, Girls with Great Potential. Girls with Great Potential. Interesting enough, I don't have any little girls. I have one son mm-hmm. and four grandchildren. Uh, but when I was coming up, and uh, my husband and I first got married, and we'll be celebrating our thirty-first anniversary this month. Uh, when we first got married, we wanted to have six kids, and and I mentioned earlier about ours is a generation to have twins. I was expecting to have twin girls, uh, Samira Nicole and Samasha Noel, and unfortunately I miscarried uh, six years into our marriage and then uh, never had those twin girls or any girls after that. Uh, but I always mm-hmm. had a heart for little girls and really wanted to pour into their lives and really wanted to help them and realizing that somebody needs to help them a lot sooner than teenagers. Uh, one of my good friends at the time, uh, Pamela Hudson, uh, we spent a lot of time together doing missions and working through global projects. She had two granddaughters that she was helping to raise. And so we were spending time doing things with those little girls. But then when we would travel around the world, we just kept running into little girls who needed help. Uh, my heart just bleeds for women and vulnerable girls, especially in other countries, who don't have access and who don't have resources or privileges and really want to make a difference for them. And so the goal when I think about girls with great potential is to help develop leaders today for tomorrow. And I look at these little mm-hmm. girls, and we started with girls eight years old because at eight years old they're able to be on their own. They're able to have their mom drop them off without crying or being afraid mm-hmm. to be left them. You know, and so eight to 12 was our initial group. 
uh, working with those girls with the seven-point curriculum that, that looked at things like social skills and etiquette, that talked about STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, you know, helping them with education and academics. Uh, we looked at global citizenship. We talked about cultural heritage. We did a tea party and different things for the girls, took them on field trips, took them on uh, tours uh, out of the country and different places. Uh, but so doing that, mm-hmm. we found out that at 12 years old, girls needed us more than ever at 12. So we couldn't just leave them. Mm-hmm. We went from 8 to 12 to 12 to 16 and decided that they were no longer girls, but now they're growing with great potential. Then at 16, they needed us even more because they were still trying to figure out what to do with their lives and where they were going. Now they were graduating. So we went from 16 to 26, and they're graduating with great potential, with the hope that by the time they turn 26, they will be graced with great potential, understanding their destiny and their purpose, and willing to give back and to help. So we keep asking the girls to come back and help mentor and develop the other little girls. Uh, we have girls with great potential chapters uh, throughout the U.S., but also in different parts of Europe as well as in different parts of Africa. So we have a chapter in London that I'm going to be going to visit uh, this month. And so just really excited about what God is doing and how he's developing the program and helping uh, little girls to grow up. And, and now more moms are wanting to get involved and want to stay and volunteer and help support and to be mentors to the little girls. But it's girlswithgreatpotential.com. that people can visit the website and see some of what we're doing and what we've done in the past. Uh, but it's a wonderful program. And if you're interested in establishing a chapter of Girls with Great Potential where you are, you can just give me a call regarding that as well. Well, I just think it's 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 an awesome program. And, and really thank you uh, and thank congratulate you. you for starting um, something like this because we do know that, you know, that's how you grow leaders. You start them young and yes. you inspire and, and offer hope and show opportunity and give opportunity because we know mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. young 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 people who have opportunity, who can experience different things, who can see the world, who can get a taste of what it means to think globally, to travel, all of that yeah. helps develop them, helps develop them in, in, into leaders. And so thank you so much for, you know, having the vision and it goes back to your doing something, the application because yes. <laughs> you know you, you know, you, you dreamed about it but then you did something about it. Did something mm-hmm. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So you know, as as we talk about how you help um young girls and, and, and again I just you know, you, you were probably you, you thought about a lot of this way before it's an idea way before it's time because today mm-hmm. we know in in terms of education, it isn't just the reading, writing, and arithmetic. You know what what we exactly. really need to expose expose young people to is this whole global world because that's yes. what young young people are going to be dealing with um, um, in in now and in the future. So, is that some of the inspiration that you had for when you started your global projects work as well? Mm-hmm, Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit, a little bit about that. You know, when I when I started global projects, I, I went on the first um, mission trip, and I, I got a chance to go to a, a little small town called Davidson, Jamaica. And interesting mm-hmm. enough, I had gone to Jamaica as part of a graduation trip when I graduated from high school, and the only thing I knew about Jamaica was the beach. You know, of course, everybody knows Montego Bay and Ocho Rio mm-hmm. and those kind of places. Absolutely. But I had never heard of this beautiful town called David. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. But unfortunately, the mm-hmm. whole country is not gorgeous. 
to their place mm-hmm. of devastation there, just like every place else. You know, when you when you see those things on the news that talk about the devastation that's happening in countries, uh, there's also a beautiful side to it as well. You know, we do a lot of work in Haiti, um, and, and Haiti mm-hmm. is, is still recovering from the earthquakes, and Haiti was already, you know, um, just, just a terrible place to start with in terms of uh, economics and resources and things with a third-world country. And, and, you know, even now they're still trying to rebuild. But there's also a beautiful side of Haiti. There's a rich Haiti uh, where people live well and live off the beach and live in big houses. And, and the same thing in Africa. Everybody in Africa is not mm-hmm. starving. Everybody in Africa does not mm-hmm. have a big belly. Everybody in Africa is not waiting mm-hmm. for some rich American to come take care of them. People are prosperous mm-hmm. in Africa. Africa is a rich continent and with great wealth and resources. And, and so I, I think it's important to be able to look at both sides of that. But when I first got involved and I, and I went to these places of devastation, my heart was just grieved, thinking that we have so much here in the U.S. and mm-hmm. access to so mm-hmm. much and we do so little. You know, we don't realize how privileged we are and how fortunate we are to have so many things. Um, you know, to even have programs available, to have access to resources, to start businesses, and to be entrepreneurial. And, and so the things that we have, other people don't have, yet they're living life. And, and in many ways, living life well. You know, I remember one of the situations when I, I went to a place in Africa, and, and, and I'm meeting with this, this group of entrepreneurs and business owners, and I, and I did this training class on how to run your business, and I, and I came back a year later. And I had people do introductions, and, I'm, and they have presidents of corporations and CEOs and CFOs and mm. all these different people. And I'm like, wow, where did you guys get your mm-hmm. training? And somebody said, we came to the class you taught last year. And I'm thinking, <laughs> no, no way. You're doing that much work in yeah. ministry with what I taught you in one class. But the difference mm-hmm. is they heard me, they wrote it down, and they applied it. You know, they weren't mm-hmm. somewhere waiting mm-hmm. on a handout, waiting mm-hmm. on a committee meeting, waiting on the government, waiting on approval. Mm-hmm. They took what they had mm-hmm. and they implemented it. And so when mm-hmm. I think about just what we've been able to do through Global Projects, I know that lives have been changed because people are hungry for information, and they get it and they live it. When we talk about this whole idea of live right now, that's exactly what they're doing. They get the information and they live the information because they so desperately need it. We are not desperate enough here. You know, because we have so much, we take what we have for granted. You know, we waste time, we waste money, we waste resources. Where other countries and other places, they utilize everything they have. I think that perspective has really helped me a lot in the work that I've been able to do because I understand the value of things and I appreciate things in a different way because I've seen people who have so little. And so I would say having a world or a global experience is important for people to have at some point in their lifestyle just to realize what you have access to here, the freedoms that we have here, the information that we have here. I'm so thankful for the Internet and this, this new economy online because more people are now having access. In some of these uh, rural areas where people don't have houses, they still have cell phones. And so through a cell phone, you literally have the world in your hand. And, and so now we have information at our fingertips. And so we really are without excuse at this point. So anything you want to do, if you just put your mind to it and apply it and begin to make some plans and do it, then check it and adjust it as you keep going. The PDCA, just rotate it. Get yourself connected with some people who are doing some things and going places. Surround yourself with a positive community. Change your attitude. You really can begin to soar. And I would love to see all of your listeners soar, Dr. Geneva. I believe that people can go places and do things. All they have to do is make up their mind today that they're ready and reach out to somebody who cares and somebody who can help them. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of, again, tips and techniques they can get from from you. Just in, in this time that we've been talking, you know, you just so much great information, so much everything. And, you know, Dr. Sabrina, you know, from from your counseling career to your sales career to now your executive coaching and leadership career here in this country and around the world, growing girls and your global projects and your tips. And, I, I mean, you're just doing it all. So what do you want your leadership legacy to be? Yeah, as I'm launching this, this revolution of leaders, what, what I want my legacy to be is one of multiplication, not, not just duplication. I, I don't want to just see it adding up. I want to see it multiplying. I really want to raise up an army of women and men who are leading with integrity and with character, who are making a difference uh-huh. in the world. You know, when I think about um, our current elections and the, the choices that we have, it's unfortunate that nobody was working with them sooner. You know, I would love to get a hold of either one of our candidates and, and just really help give them some pointers on how to live right, on, on how to live mm-hmm. with integrity, of how to lead right, of how to be empowered and empower others. Um, and so maybe at some point in the future somebody will, but for those who are still ready, because you do have to be hungry and honorable. you got to be teachable. You have to be willing to listen and to learn and grow. And so what I want my legacy to be is that she cares and that she helped call for the greatness in me that she helped stir up something in me that got me motivated and got me moving. I want people to remember me well and say, wow, I remember Dr. Sabrina Black. She was the lady that helped me get charged up to write that book, to start that business, to start that ministry, to sing that song, to go on that trip, to, to leave some of those people who weren't doing me any good, to, to let go of that stuff that was mm-hmm. holding me back and holding me down. She was that lady that made me make a change. That's what I want my legacy mm-hmm. to be. I want people to remember that I caused them to see the world differently and to realize that there was so much more to do and accomplish if they would only get started. Mm-hmm. And be the leader. Yes. Yes. Amen. And, and Amen. Be, that's right. And be the leader of their own life and community. Because, you yes. know, that's what you've talked about. You've talked about not only you know, your own personal leadership and and what you might do at the, on the workplace or in, in a small business, but also the responsibility to be a leader in community where people are yeah. and helping people. And, and, mm-hmm. and that is so important because it's about both the passion and the purpose of leadership. Yeah. And so, again, Dr. Sabrina, we thank you so, so much. I want you to say one more time to our listening audience how they can get in touch with you, particularly if they're interested in that in the online uh, course that you give once a month. Yes. So how- yes, if you can just reach out to me. Just Google me, Dr. Sabrina Black. You can find me online uh, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Our website is drsabrinablack.com. On Facebook, it's uh, sabrinablack.com, Sabrina D. Black. On LinkedIn, Dr. Sabrina Black. You can also email me at yahoo.com, Dr. Sabrina Black. Or give me a phone call at 248-872-3788. And I would love to be a part of your journey and help get you to where you're going, whether it's through counseling, through coaching, through leadership development. Um, The next group is going to be starting up again next month. Like I said, we just kicked one off. And we would love to have any of you be a part of the group. I am going to be starting a group for men. The men have been asking. Uh, But definitely get in touch with me and let's connect 
and figure out how we can work together and collaborate as we change the world. We thank you so much, Dr. Sabrina Black, also speaker, columnist, leadership coach, philanthropist, uh, worldwide traveler, and impactor on the community. Thank you so much, and thank you, keep Dr. on keeping on. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks. Dr. Geneva Williams, an expert facilitator and leadership coach, lecturer, and keynote speaker. For more information on Dr. Geneva, visit her online at www.drgenevaspeaks.com. That's drgenevaspeaks.com.